Hi, folks. This is Hoffman Ryan. I want to welcome you to our podcast. Christ Our Redeemer Seminary is a partnership of churches in Opelika and Auburn, Alabama, working together to equip leaders for God's global mission. We offer accredited theological training designed to shape the mind and heart with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I was trying to decide which seminary to go to, a friend of mine gave me some really good advice. He said, what makes a class is not the syllabus, but the teacher. What makes a program is not the course curriculum, but the teachers who pour their hearts into it. So don't take classes, he said, take teachers. And that's why I'm so excited about this, our inaugural series for our podcast. It's a series introducing not the what of our seminary, but the who. And you'll get a chance to hear from the local pastors and leaders who make this partnership possible. You'll not only meet our teaching faculty, but also our committed board members and amazing core team. Each of our faculty have persevered through the challenges of life and ministry, and they have much hard-earned wisdom to share. So you'll hear from them while they are so eager to come alongside aspiring leaders to prepare them for future ministry. So today I have with me on the phone Randy Schlichting. He is the uh, one of the leading uh, pastors and elders at Perimeter Church in Atlanta, North North Atlanta, and also the president of Metro Atlanta Seminary, which Christ Our Redeemer Seminary is an affiliate and under the the, the, the care and oversight of Metro Seminary. And so, Randy, thanks for being on the podcast with us today. Well, it's just great to be with you. I'm so glad you invited me. I'm looking forward to talking. So, Randy, I believe you and I first got connected uh, via a common um, friend and, and co-worker, Travis Vaughn, who uh, was leading at the time Metro Atlanta Collective, a network of um, churches and church planters serving the Metro Atlanta area. I was up there for one of their monthly meetings, share, was sharing with him some of um, the vision that the Lord had given me for Opelika in Auburn, and he recommended that I get to know you. And so I, I remember calling you and kind of sharing my heart with you uh, and, and the vision that Lord had laid on my heart. And, um, and immediately it resonated with some things that you care about and are passionate about and not just that, but are doing. And um, that long story short, paved the way for us to launch uh, as an affiliate of Metro Atlanta Seminary. So right from the get go, um, you have been a, a strong encourager for me. Um, and have affirmed the Lord's leading in my life in this area. And uh, we could not have got this off the ground without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for jumping in this thing with us. Oh, you're so welcome. Uh, my delight. You know, it, it sounds a bit trite when someone says you are an answer to prayer, you know, but, but we do know that the, the Lord listens to our petitions. Uh, and mm -hmm. doesn't always answer things exactly the way we want. Uh, but from time to time he does. And for us, there was this deep sense we had. There were other people out there. We didn't know what city they would be in or where they would come from who had a similar heart and mind that we did concerning this whole idea of, of education. That, that's local. You don't have to go away somewhere. That That's accessible to people. Uh, that, that would be affordable. And that would kind of wrap under the accreditation that we already had. So we, we believe there were other people out there. And then we made the contact with you. You made the contact with us through Travis. And it was like, oh, oh wow, I never thought Auburn. I mean, no no, no offense to anybody. I love, love Auburn now, but it wasn't like number one on my list. I thought, you know, Dallas, New York, Chicago. I don't know what the other cities would be. But but we were so thrilled 
uh, when I met you because immediately, you know, I wouldn't call it a man crush in particular, but, but there was this sense of this is a guy who loves the Lord and he has people around him who are willing to give of themselves so that others can be educated so that people can come to faith, so that people can be trained, so that churches can be established and missionaries can be sent out to the globe. And I just caught that in a short conversation with you. And then from there, the rest was really, you know, they say the rest is history, the sense of, yes, we can do this. Yes, we can do that. We can put these things together. But but the sense of um, hearts that are knitted together with the same vision is is a beautiful thing when we find it. We found it other places around the country. Uh, but with you, Hoffman, it was just, just a powerful thing for us to experience and, and how you all just kind of dove in from day one with humility, with strength, with boldness, and with courage, all, all the above. You guys just said, yes, we can, uh, believing that God would do a work. And uh, it's just been amazing to us to see what, what he's done there in Auburn already. So it's been awesome. Yeah, well, it's been it's been it's been a fun ride um, for us, for sure. Um, and a fast ride. Um, but we one that we're thrilled to be a part of. We feel like um, God is in this with us or else we, we we wouldn't be where we are, nor we want to be involved in it. So it's been it's been an honor to see um, what God has done. And um, and you and the other guys at Metro uh, Atlanta Seminary have been a big part of that. But so I'm excited for people to get just to get to know you a little bit. The, the mm-hmm. idea behind this in, initial inaugural podcast series this um, is for people just to get to know us as as people, as people who are trying uh, just like anybody else who would bother to listen to this podcast, just normal people trying to follow the Lord's leading in our lives with with faith and humility and courage and and all the rest. And so I wanted people before talking much about the what and the content, the curriculum and missional theology and other things mm-hmm. that we care about. I, I wanted people just to get to know us just mm-hmm. as um, Christ followers um, trying to fill the role he's given us. And so I'm, I'm excited for people to get to know you a little bit. So if you will, just give us a brief, you know, personal narrative. Where where are you from? And I know you're in Atlanta now. How'd you get there? How many kids do you have? I think you have grandkids as well. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, thanks. That's awesome. So I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So uh, and that's an important part of the story. So I'm a lifelong Green Bay Packer fan. So I hope uh, I'm not going to offend anybody there, but I'm actually oddly a part owner in the Packers. You know, they're the only professional football team that that is a nonprofit organization that people can own shares in. So a few years ago when they had an offering, I bought a share of the Green Bay Packers. So that's one, <laughs> one of my claims to fame. I have one share of the Green out of, I don't know, 800,000 shares. I don't know how many they have. But, uh, but uh, so yeah, lifelong Green Bay Packer fan. Grew up primarily in Texas though. So that was kind of my, my, uh, my background. Lived overseas for a while as a child in Scotland. Came back, was in Houston. Dorothy and I met 41 years ago this year in Houston. We met in January, started dating in March, got engaged in May, got married in September. We don't tell other people to do it that way, but that's the way we did it. Uh, And then in October, we moved to Saudi Arabia. Before I was in ministry, I was in healthcare hospital administration for about 10, 15 years and uh, we lived in the Middle East for five years. The Lord did a work there uh, in our hearts. Uh, we're both believers, but he really did a deep work in our hearts about the church there because there's the, the the church that's not legal, so to speak. There's not 
Christian churches on every corner in Saudi Arabia. In fact, there's not Christian churches on any corner in Saudi Arabia. So we were part of a home group uh, that had to focus on the centrality of Christ and him crucified. God did a work there. I thought about going to seminary at that point in time. We came back. The Lord led us in another direction to, to stay in the business world. So I got a master's in international business thinking we'd go back overseas again. We didn't. Our oldest daughter, our first daughter, was born in Saudi Arabia, actually. We came back, uh, got the, the, the master's in international business, thought we'd go back, stayed in healthcare, hospital administration uh, for about eight or nine more years, uh, and then really got the second call to ministry for, for the Lord kind of put on my heart that, that he would have me engaged in ministry. So uh, by the good graces of Randy Pope at Perimeter Church, we had been uh, we'd moved around the country quite a bit, but landed in Atlanta and uh, got to know Randy. And uh, he said, why don't you uh, think about coming on staff at Perimeter? So actually this month, I'm celebrating my 25th year at Perimeter Church. It's just wow. been just been amazing what the Lord's done uh, in and through. Of course, the ministry of Randy Pope, many would be familiar with 45 years there at Perimeter Church. So I've done a bunch of different things there. Uh, from shepherding to discipleship to worship to a bunch of other things. But about 12 years ago, uh, we had this sense that uh, we, we, we love and appreciate uh, the large seminaries, RTS, Covenant, um, Westminster, those, those places. There was nothing in Atlanta, though. Uh, and we got the sense that for, for some of us, we couldn't just kind of pack up our bags and go away and, and go somewhere else. So we began to kind of develop a seminary here that's kind of be known as Metro Atlanta Seminary. And we have some distinctives about that, which I can share about in a little bit. But along the way, um, Dorothy and I were married 41 years this year. Uh, our second and third daughters uh, were both born in Texas, one in Dallas, one in Corpus Christi. And uh, we are just thrilled that all three of them live here in Atlanta. All three of them are in the faith. All three of them are married to great guys. Uh, we have our we had our sixth grandkid just this last weekend. So oh, wow. in, fact, in fact, my wife is down there today, kind of tending to my youngest daughter, and uh, they like each other, <laughs> like be with each other. So it's a it's just it's a just a such a blessing that uh, we have the family we have. They like being with each other, and if we go to Hilton Head or someplace, if we will rent the condo or the timeshare. Uh, they will come. They they like to be together. So as long as we're, we're footing the bill, they're they're enjoyable and uh, they love to be be with us. So it's been great. And so we've been here in Atlanta for thirty years altogether. Uh, again on staff at Perimeter for twenty five, and then this idea of the seminary began forming. And really, the heart behind the seminary, and we can kind of uh, go from there, but is is more of a um, we felt like the Lord was saying to us, there are local people who can teach people locally. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to seminary and we had this deep thing and Randy Pope had kind of ingrained this into our souls about discipleship and mentoring the DNA behind all that, that mentoring was an important part of uh, leading people. And then also just practical application. So we've kind of built it together over the, over the years and, and the Lord's blessed. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's been really good. Uh, my wife, Dorothy is just uh, delightful. Again, kids are great. Uh, we've had our, our ups and downs, which I probably don't need to go into in particular as, as a family is always, always an issue. No one's got the perfect family, but, uh, but the Lord's been gracious to us. So, so thus far he's helped us and we believe he will 
going or going the rest of the distance for us the natural days that we have here well that that is a that's a, a lot of life in ministry and business and family experience all wrapped into you know just five minutes or so <laughs> here. But, um, i would I'd love to hear how did you come to know the lord jesus christ mm-hmm. yeah great question so i was raised uh, catholic and and what i say about that when i'm re- being recorded like this is uh i believe in, in every denomination catholic presbyterian episcopalian baptist there are believers you know the, the the lord does a work where he wants to do a work and um uh so for, for me as a young boy i had this sense of uh, who jesus was uh, and, and a sobriety about that, so to speak. Uh, but I hit my teenage years, and you know how teenage boys can be. They can do a lot of foolish things, which I did. The Lord was gracious, though, to me. I, uh, my family um, was, is from the south side of Milwaukee, which is kind of like the south side of Chicago. So, so the, the, it's, it's not the, the upscale portion of blue-collar, first person to ever go through college in, in my family. And I, I worked my way through. So it took me six plus years to get through my undergraduate, working, not working, uh, going to school a little bit, those type of things. And along the way in that college experience, I met some people who um, looked at and focused on the Word of God. So I had grown up in the traditions of the church. I had grown up with the sacraments, so to speak, with the liturgy, uh, with, with all those things, and with this deep sense of... Um, I was a sinner in need of a savior. Uh, shaking off the, the stain of sin or the guilt of sin was hard in, in that context. Mm-hmm. But when I began reading the word, specifically Gospel of John, Romans, those texts are really uh, pressed into my heart. I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. And there's no condemnation now for me. And that is good, good, good news. So that's the, the essence of me coming to faith. And um, uh, really being part of a, a non-denominational Bible-type church uh, for a season. And just, just people really just exposing me to the Word of God, you know. It was uh, and, and, and living as Christians, you know, as, as opposed to not. So, so the Lord was gracious. My wife Dorothy had grown up in the Presbyterian church and was a believer from, from an early age. Uh, and then, of course, we met, uh, were in the faith and got married and I told you the rest in terms of us being in Saudi Arabia. That in particular, by the way, uh, being there was really formative for both of us. We were young. I was 25. She was 23. And uh, being there and, and there people made a decision. Am I really a Christian or am I not? Because technically, if you're going to a church type thing there, you could be asked to leave the kingdom. You could be asked to, 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 to move out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, some risk associated with that. And we would know people at the hospital. We worked at, hey, we're going to go to church this Friday. was the, the day of, of uh, that we were off. But well, we're not quite sure we want to do that. We don't know. Do we need to? Those type of things. But but for Dorothy and I, the conviction of gathering with the saints grew more and more. And, and just in being in the word and being around people of different denominations and different ethnicities. So we had Egyptians and Filipinos and Jordanians and Canadians and Australians and, and uh, Brits and all kinds of people in this church. Uh, and they were from different theological persuasions. So uh, the, the core was, again, keeping uh, Christ uh, at the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, one other quick story I'll tell you there without boring you too much. But 
uh, we were we lived in a, in a home, and the church actually met across the street from us in a, a guy's house there. He got transferred back uh, to Canada. He actually was from Canada, and they said, "Hey, anyone want to host the church?" And like two or three weeks, no one raised their hand. And finally, Dorothy kind of nudged me, and I said, "Well, I guess we can have it in our house." So we did. And then I'll be doggone if if about four or five weeks later, the guy who was leading said, "Hey, I'm getting transferred home too." He left. And all of a sudden, they said, anyone want to lead this? And at 25, with no theological training or experience or anything, I found myself <laughs> leading and preaching. I'm so glad there was nothing recorded. I'm sure there's 18 <laughs> heresies and, you know, who knows what I was preaching back then. But the Lord still did a sweet work there. And that really was kind of what I call the first call I had to ministry. Uh -huh. uh, and and then, then we went from there. So that's probably more than you asked there. But uh, uh, the, the Lord has been very generous with us. Well, I'm, I'm sure that was formative in, in more ways than one. So you, so you had a, a, a eclectic group uh, from all around the world and mm -hmm. theological backgrounds meeting in your home week by mm -hmm. week. Yeah, yeah, and then the Lord bless it grew in size. We we started off with maybe fifteen, twenty people, grew to maybe fifty or sixty people that came, and um, it was um, yeah, just really really sweet to to, to to see that. So. What was it like um, then going into the workplace as a Christian in, in hospital administration mm -hmm. in Saudi Arabia? What, what challenges did you face there? Yeah, so there, of course, I worked for an American company. And the Lord, even as the Lord does to this day, the Lord is sanctifying me and, 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 and telling me that I need to have humility and helping me gain that. So there, the question is, how, how, do, you, how do you live? How do you work? How do you do work as unto the Lord? in a secular environment. So I feel like as a pastor now for almost 30 years, um, because I was in the workplace for many years, I can relate to those guys who struggle the tension. How do I have fair weights and measures? How do I, how do I disagree with my boss or, or agree when, when things are happening that I don't like or how we're doing things? Uh, and I just learned along the way, what does it mean um, to listen well? What does it mean to serve? And what does it mean to be under authority? And I think in general, we in America, uh, because of maybe our ethos, we struggle with being under authority. So, so I learned, hey, we are under the authority. I'm under the authority of a company here. They're telling me what to do. We're in the middle of the desert wearing three-piece suits. It's like, what? Why do we have to wear a three-suit? Because they told you we're a suit, man. So we're the suit. Come in tomorrow, wear your suit. Um and we were under the authority of the kingdom there, the, the king of Saudi Arabia. So one quick story there, which I, I often share with people, is that when Dorothy, when Dorothy and I got pregnant, when, when we were there, and the question was, should she come back here to have the baby or not? And uh, we decided, well, we'd love to stay there if we could get into a hospital. And hospitals there, you just can't go like you can here. The, there's different ministries that have different hospitals. The best hospital in, in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is King Faisal Specialist Hospital. So, uh, but we couldn't get in because because we weren't uh, Saudi, obviously, and we weren't connected with that ministry. So, uh, a friend of mine said, "Well, you know what you can do. You can. This is the old days. I'm dating myself. You would send a telex to somebody, you know, like a fax telex kind of thing. You can telex the king." I said, "What?" He said, yeah, you can telex the king. You can send a fax telex to the king. He, he meets every Wednesday or his advisors do anyone of the kingdom. If you're, if, you're, if you're a citizen of the kingdom, you can ask the king for anything. 
And uh, so he helped me write this thing in Arabic. Oh, dear king. Literally, dear king, we so enjoy living in your kingdom. Uh, thank you so much for letting us be here. My wife's pregnant. We would be honored to be able to have our, our, our child at King Faisal Specialist Hospital if you would so grant permission. A couple weeks later, guy comes back. King said, you can have your kid not free of charge. You can have your kid in the hospital. Wow. And, and I tell you what that did for me, um, Hoffman. It reminded me, we have a king. And he listens to us and he is a kingdom and we can petition him and ask him mm. and he will grant what we need and maybe a lot of what we want along the way. Just, mm. you know, there, there's no reason in the world for that king to let a couple of Americans have a baby in that hospital. He just simply chose that. Of course, the sovereign hand of God was over that, mm. um, but, but it was just a reminder. So we learned a lot of life lessons uh, being there. Uh, living there, working with people, working with different from different nationalities, um, and um, uh, being being part of that church there, it's been really uh, formative for both Dorothy and I for, for many many years. So it's been mm. great. That's fantastic. I would venture to say that m most people listening to this um, have never written a personal letter to a king. <laughs> <laughs> That's Make right. There you go. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Well, uh, something also that's, that's super fascinating about you is you just finished a doctoral program mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. Birmingham Theological Seminary. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks for asking. So, yeah, about five years ago, I, I, uh, you know, I said uh, to, to Dorothy and to my good friend here, Bob Carter, I said, I'm too old to be doing this, but I want to be a lifelong learner. I, I don't want to just kind of say, OK, I can rest on what I've got and I, I can finish it out. I can coast to, to the finish line here. And a handful of things had kind of conspired. One is my wife's a registered dietitian. That's how we got into healthcare in the first place. And she had to have these things called continuing education credits. All of her, all of her life, she said, if you want to keep your license, got to have your continuing education credits. Same thing if you're a doctor, accountant, banker, or whatever it might be. And I got to thinking about that. And I thought, what about pastors? Do, do they need to have continuing education or not? They, they don't to retain their licensure. And that kind of the Lord stirred in my heart. You know, what does it mean for you, Randy, to continue to learn, to continue to grow? So mm -hmm. we embarked on this journey of saying, I'm going to work on a doctorate in pastoral leadership. My thesis was this area of continuing education for licensed ministers of the gospel. Uh, why is it in the professional world? All these people have it and, and pastors don't. So long, long story short there. Uh, as I walk through the research of what the Bible says about continuing education for, for leaders, what church history says about that, uh, continuing education for leaders, the conclusion I came to was, yes, ministers of gospel and ruling elders and leaders in the church and members of the church should have continuing education. Now, someone could call that discipleship at the lightest level. But, but what we would say is uh, a minister in particular can't just come out of seminary and say, I'm done. I learned everything I need to learn for, for three reasons. The first is this. He has to have renewing of his mind because it will, you know, Calvin used to say the dust of unbelief kind of settles on our soul. So mm. he needs to have his mind renewed over and over and learn more and more about God. He'll never, never get to the bottom of that. So renewing of the mind. The second thing I, I saw in my in a vocational call with a lot of pastors is, their heart got dried out. 
So they might have had some, some academic knowledge, but their heart got dried out. And they started doing some things they shouldn't have been doing, um, um, issues and challenges that they ran into, or they stopped doing things that they should be doing. So mm. this whole idea of how does one re, uh, refresh the heart, how, how does that happen? Mm. And the third thing, and I really saw that the last three years with the pandemic and with all the political, cultural things we've gone through, how does a minister really look at culture and, and re-exegete it? Maybe not just every five years, but every one or two years, because culture is changing. And how does a pastor not um, minister like he did in the 1970s or 1980s or 1990s? Because if he does that, uh, he'll, it's a slow death or a quick death for, for a ministry. So culture is changing. How does he look at culture, exegete, and then say, here's how we apply the, the gospel, which never changes, to, to this culture? Mm. So as I did the work, I, I said, I ended up, um, because we have a seminary, but, but I said, yeah, I think what seminary should do is when you go to seminary, you have a degree plan, you file it. I'm taking this course, this course, this course, writing a paper, et cetera, check, 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 got it done. What a seminary should do before someone graduates is say, we didn't teach you everything. Before you graduate, the last thing you have to do, it's just like if you went to a hospital you had major surgery. It was a discharge plan. What are you going to do next? Seminary, they should say, uh, we want you to follow a plan for lifelong learning now. It could be a one or two year plan. How are you going to renew your heart? I mean, mm -hmm. renew, renew your mind. How are you going to refresh your heart? And how are you going to continue to what I call reset your hand for ministry? Because culture is going to change. And if we haven't taught you how to do those three things, we haven't taught you well enough. Mm -hmm. And then we want you to be in a group. It could be in a presbytery, it could be your elders, it could be some brothers or sisters in Christ, it could be someone who will be asking you some questions about that. Hey, how are you renewing your, your mind? How are you re refreshing your heart? How are you resetting your hand? And rinse and repeat that as you go forward so that you won't get stale, dried out, and, and be living in the 19, whatever, 90s or whatever when it comes to trying to do ministry. So the, the, the dissertations on that, uh, I'm hoping even with our seminaries now to make that kind of a, a bit of a, a mini capstone project, so to speak, so that people will come out and say, you know what, I am going to try and renew my mind here. And what would that look like? And have somebody else kind of maybe audit that for me a little bit or uh, encourage me or hold me accountable. Because I could say, hey, Hoffman, I'm going to renew my mind. How are you going to do that, Randy? Well, I'm going to go see uh, the latest Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> uh, and then there's another Disney. And then it's like, that's not going to do it. So having someone kind of uh, um, take a look at that and say, yeah, this could renew your mind. And then experientially, uh, just helping people to, to, to enter into that. So I think part of that, there's a lot of variations on the theme. Renewing your mind can be from the word, can be from experience, can be from prayer, can be from travel. There's a lot of different ways I think you can do all three of those. But mm. I do think all three of those are important uh, for us as we go forward here. So that was the dissertation that I'm hoping... I think I'll, I'll, I'll get into a book at some point in time. I've got some editing to do uh, to get to that, and, uh, and hopefully that it'll be helpful to other people. Well, it's already been helpful to me. Thank you for, for sharing that, um, mm -hmm. and congratulations, by the Thank way. You. I defended that recently. Yes. So congratulations, and I look forward to learning more about that from you and how we can incorporate um, that into what we're doing um, here in Opelika and Auburn, and, and even mm -hmm. 
jotted down here in my notes um, to do uh, before seminary students graduate, make them <laughs> learn a plan. So uh, you've already uh, helped shape what we're doing down here by just in the last couple of minutes. So thank you. Thanks. You're Thanks welcome. For that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. So as I, as I mentioned, sort of at the, at the top of this, um, that you being the president of Metro Atlanta Seminary and then our relationship that formed over time allowed us to then start uh, where we are as an affiliate of Metro Atlanta and up under your accreditation mm -hmm. uh, umbrella, so to speak, mm -hmm. and tutelage and guidance. And um, y'all provided tons of mentoring and direction for us. Um, but you're also uh, one of our board members. Um, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I asked you to, if you would be willing to serve in that capacity and you, you graciously agreed to that. Mm -hmm. So you've been on our board for the last year. And so you're invested in, in more than one way and yes. what we're doing. And so just kind of a closing um, question for you. Um, what are some things that you are excited about what we're doing down here? And also what, um, what is something that you're hopeful for or uh, prayerful about that you, if, if you could see God do something among us uh, over the next say year, two, three years or, or further, What's something that's on your heart as you think about what God is doing mm -hmm. to Christ our Redeemer? Mm, thanks for asking that. I, first of all, I'm just so, um, this sounds terribly good, terribly good. I'm shocked and amazed at what God's done there. You're, you're talented. Your group is very talented. And it's like, oh, my Lord, it's the Lord doing the work mm -hmm. through you. It's just been oh, just incredible to see how fast you all have come and what you've done and how you've gotten footing there and have gone forward. So it, it, it's, we feel so good about where you guys are at and what you've done from a foundational perspective. What I would add to that is what I love about what you're doing. It's collaborative. It's not narrow. Uh, you have included many others there in the city to work together uh, to be able to provide education, mentoring, and practical application that people need there. And, and that, you know, in so many other areas, we, we, we see well, we're Baptist or we're Presbyterian or we're Episcopalian or we're whatever we are, whatever it might be. Um, but, but what y'all have done there, down there has really formed a cooperative, collaborative, working together with just solid evangelical, biblical theology to, to create a space that I believe um, many will come in and through and then will be sent out. So, so that's been amazing just to see that. Mm. I, I have this, you know, I, I don't know if it's a vision for, for you guys or not, but I think that, you know, the, the, the campus of Auburn is there. There are thousands and thousands of people. So I, I don't know how it would, would work in terms of how many students, how big you can be. It's not about the numbers in particular, but, but I could see many students matriculating there, many students getting degrees there, maybe even as they're getting a degree in something else. I can see you all sending out people because you will. Our other seminaries, and I forgot to mention, we have three other seminaries that we're working with that are, that are a little further along than you guys are. But, but you'll graduate that first group, and that first group, they will go out and do something. It could, one of them could move to Louisiana. I don't know. One of them could move to Dallas. Maybe one of them goes to the Middle East. Maybe there was some campus ministry somewhere. But you'll begin to see the Lord from Auburn, from where you guys are at, 
sending workers out for the kingdom one by one by one by one by one. And he will draft in more and more there for you guys as you as you grow. So I'm just thrilled about what the Lord has done, is doing, uh, and will will do through you guys going forward. I think the board is fabulous. The faculty, the mentors you put together, um, it's just just been amazing to us. So we're just excited on every level. That, that sounds, you know, uh, a bit hyperbolic. Uh, and I think sometimes hyperbolic is okay. <laughs> That's what we think about that. So it's really, really good. So yeah. you've done a great job. Well, thanks be to God and thanks be to you also for jumping in there with both feet um, with us. And um, it's been a blessing to me and 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 to all of our students and everybody involved. So, and thank you for taking the time this afternoon uh, on a on a Friday afternoon um, to to share with us on the podcast. You're welcome. My delight. I'd love to return at some point in time. And uh, anything I can do to serve you all, let me know. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Stay tuned to get to know more of the leaders who are pouring themselves into the lives of our seminary students. You can also find out more about us at ChristOurRedeemer.org.